I look back at where we were at that point when somebody would say to me, dream about what your marriage could look like, and I look at it now and I go, I wasn't even dreaming because of our obedience and trusting him on a daily basis. And this is a daily basis for the rest of your life. Like, this is not a, oh, let's get through the crisis part. No, but this is a life's decision. And, and the things that he has brought into our marriage and allowed our marriage to look like today, we could not have imagined. Hey, welcome to the Resolutions Podcast, where we like to turn difficult topics into helpful conversation. I'm your host, Chris Campbell, along with our co-host, Michael Gum. What's up? All right, Michael, do you have your man card with you today? Oh, man card. I don't know if I brought it. Well, listen, we're going we're gonna to venture into some territory that we need to be mindful of our man cards. Okay. I, I've got mine today. All right. It's not reached its expiration date <laughs> uh-huh. yet. I've never even come close to getting my man card revoked. You? <laughs> um, gosh, I, 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 let's move on. I don't know. I know, I know. So this, is, this, this sounds very misogynistic, even as we're starting here, right? Uh, but, uh, but today, we're going to venture initially into the discussion of best romantic movies. Oh, yes. Okay. And we're accepting nominations under different categories. We're, we're looking at rom-coms. Drama, adventure. So, uh, you know, Michael, uh, man card sensitive here, right? We're, we're sure. not, not going to get too yeah. mushy. Uh-huh. But what are some romantic films that you've been able to, you know, a little more than tolerate? You'd admit that you've actually enjoyed the storyline in. Yeah, well, uh, one of my wife's favorite movies is The Wedding Singer. Adam Sandler. Uh, yes. Um, you know, it, it is, it's, it's very much a romantic comedy, but you know, it's, it's Adam Sandler, you know, and, and arguably at his peak, yeah. if, if, you know, depending on how you feel about Adam Sandler, if yeah. that could even be said, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's a good movie. It's really funny. And, um, you know, honestly, I don't really, I, I don't mind romantic comedies. Uh, you know, I, I, I won't probably watch many of them more than once, but, right, but right. I, I, I can enjoy them in the, in yeah. the moment. I mean, they, I, I, I don't feel insecure in my masculinity <laughs> enough to say that, you know, to not say that, that I, that I can enjoy those. I, I think, uh, I think rom-coms are the more the neutral territory. And by the way, uh, the wedding singer, uh, we, uh, my, so my wife and I, we went to see that in the theater, right? And when Billy Idol, made his appearance <laughs> uh-huh. towards the end of it yeah. she came unglued man oh, it, yeah. was, it was like it was a little embarrassing for me to be sitting <laughs> you know beside of her and uh, cuz she was a huge billy I, I i was she is a huge billy i uh-huh. man you know and stuff uh okay so so my go to uh movies that are beyond rom-coms are um i like the last of the mohegans like the movie representation of that epic novel, uh, because it, it's sort of a sweeping epic. There's a lot of adventure. There's a lot of rugged. Like the opening scene of that movie reminds me of a lot of, uh, frankly, uh, Solomon's writing in the Song of Songs. Oh, it's, it's sort yeah. of, if you've ever seen the opening of it, it's, it's very epic. And then there's another uh, movie with Heath Ledger that not many people have watched or realized, uh, but it's called The Four Feathers. Okay. And it's another like really good storyline that uh you know it's uh it is. I mean it's just like um this this uh 
the sweeping romance type of a thing, but in the middle of it, it's uh, there's a lot of adventures, a lot of drama, and things like that. Uh, but uh, but especially when you're talking about the rom coms, right? Yeah. Uh, there's there's usually a classic storyline, right? For this type of of sure. entertainment, this type of, of script. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, I mean they're they're all pretty formulaic. They all basically <laughs> do the same thing in slightly different ways. Yeah, it's like boy meets a girl, mm-hmm. right? Chemistry ensues, yeah. right? It's like a John Hughes film, mm-hmm. right? Sure, <laughs> from the '80s. Uh, couples face conflict that jeopardize the budding relationship, and by the end of the movie, in two hours, the conflict is resolved and the couple lives happily ever after. Ah, isn't it nice? Mm, you know, yeah. And it's time to go refill your popcorn and, you know, binge watch something else at that uh-huh. point. But, uh, you know, I, I, I always finish up those movies when I'm, you know, when I'm, I'm conned into watching them. Uh, <laughs> you know, and again, I, you know, it's like I'm not a chick flick guy. I'm not a Hallmark kind of guy. Sure, right? no. But I, but I do enjoy sitting there and watching those, those, uh, you know, that type of entertainment with my wife. Uh, but it's like at the end, it's like you're, you're sort of left going, man, wouldn't it be great? If everything was guaranteed in real life, you know, like it works out in the movies, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so this is our lead in today about today's topic. Um, you know, if you're as you're listening to this podcast, if you've if you've been married before, if you've lived through a separation, a divorce, a divided household growing up, uh, then you know that sometimes relationships face real challenges when it comes to uh, achieving, you know, the elusive happy ending. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, personally, I think this is especially true in Christian marriages because, you know, beyond the romantic expectations, I always have felt like there's this added pressure of proving that somehow, you know, God's way, you know, in marriage is best and Christian marriages are sort of guaranteed to survive. Yeah, yeah, stakes are higher. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we put that on ourselves, I think, but but to some degree, yeah. Yeah, and and that's we know that if you've if you've lived long enough and been married long enough and seen your 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 friends, your family struggle, we know that that's that's simply not the case. I, I you know, divorce statistics, if you believe them, they always hover around the fifty percent. You know, yeah. And uh, some say the divorce stats are even worse for Christians. I don't know hmm. if that's true or yeah, not. I don't know. But uh, I can tell you this: every week, uh, our practice here, Resolutions Counseling, uh, we take calls from people who have reached an impasse in their relationship with their spouse, and they're looking for a miracle. You know, in the mm-hmm. form of some sort of magic counseling session. Now, we don't provide silver bullets because oftentimes a spouse will chamber that <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and use that to solve their problem in an unhelpful way. But, uh, but you know, there's this idea that somehow, you know, with counseling, Christian counseling, uh, that, uh, that th- circumstances can quickly change and, uh, you know, and their hurt can be healed. Uh, but marriage challenges are real. Yeah. Like real, man. And uh, today we're going to begin a two-part podcast on what to do if you realize your marriage may not have a happily ever after trajectory to it. Yeah. You know, that ending does not look possible. Our guest today uh, is a couple, Greg and Lisa Landis. They are the founders of Five Oaks Ministries in Winter Garden, Florida. Uh, these two are relationship specialists who have earned uh, their know-how through the School of Hard Knocks. And like uh, so many of the people uh, that we get to talk to on this podcast, uh, they are dear friends of mine. 
and uh, which makes it really sort of nice to settle into a conversation with them that uh, that sometimes can be a little touchy, you know, sure. with the subject matter. Yeah. So uh, I can tell you that with Greg and Lisa, I have referred numerous couples to them who are on the brink of disaster. Like, uh, you know, many uh, of them, they could have been, you know, living in the aftermath of an affair, uh, the exposure of addiction, or maybe just the exasperation level has reached a point where there just seems to be little hope. And uh, Greg and Lisa, as you'll begin to pick up in this uh, in this conversation, they have a way of getting to the heart of the matter in a very efficient <laughs> way. Their mm-hmm. ability to merge uh, biblical truths and restoration know-how is is really unique. And uh, from an interesting point of context, uh, these two are not only relationship specialists, uh, but they have a history of home renovations and uh, flipping real estate. Yeah. yeah. So they bring they bring that analogy that that metaphor into a lot of their thoughts on renovating marriages. Yeah. Restoration. So recently I had the opportunity to sit and talk with Greg and Lisa about Five Oaks Ministries, marriage restoration, and even their own story of a very broken marriage that God granted a new start and a plan for a happy ending. And in part one, uh, we pick up on Greg and Lisa talking about marriage triage or what to do when you find yourself in marriage crisis. So give a listen. And in a few minutes, Michael and I will be back with some helpful thoughts and resources. Um, I think that there are certain you know, you know, Greg often will say it's it's kind of like a spouse is lying on a table bleeding out from being in war. I mean, it's like being on a battleground mm-hmm. and you've just been shot in a million places. Triage is, is one aspect and then you actually go to recovery, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's the triage side and there's the recovery side. And I think with the triage side, you're going to deal with, you know, as the spouse, say, say we're talking uh, um, affair related specifically, you're going to have the spouse who was cheated on and there's very specific steps they're going to have to do to kind of say, you know, how, how are they feeling? Are they devastated? They feel lonely. They feel, you know, their entire life has blown up. What are they instinctively going to do? They're going to want to try and find out everything they can. They want to, you know, should we separate? Do I become a de- detective? Do I become controlling? They question their faith. They question their belief system. You know, they just want sympathy. They don't want accountability. You know, there's retaliation. There's expectations. I mean, it's all the stuff that you instinctively want to do, but then you go, okay, but what does God call of you to do? And it's really the opposite of all those things I just mentioned. And so you take them through that thing of going, okay, what what are you called to do separate from what your spouse just did? And how are you called to behave? And so you you talk about um, th- those kind of initial steps of you don't get to be a policewoman or a policeman. Um, you know, you take start taking a look at your own life. And because really any crisis, I, we often talk about the road where you're, when you wake up in the morning and you're married, every day you're either taking a step towards a cliff or away from a cliff. Every marriage has a cliff, yeah. literally everyone. Yeah. And so you take enough small steps to the cliff, you're going to end at the cliff. You take enough steps away from the cliff, you might have a crappy day, but it's not going to get you to the cliff. Gotcha. But you're at the cliff and you're having a bad day, somebody's going to jump off the cliff. Mm-hmm. And so the, the key in marriage every day is, is this at the end of today, have we taken more steps away or more steps towards the cliff? Because no one gets to the cliff just by one step. There's never just one moment that gets us there. It's walking there together. And so, you know, even jumping off the cliff. So, so for example, if a spouse cheats, they've jumped off the cliff. 
the one who didn't cheat, that's not their responsibility. There's nothing they could have done that or should have done that prevented that. That was in the, in the hands of the spouse that, that cheated. But getting to the cliff is equally the responsibility of Two those people. Two people walk to the end of that. Right. Two people walk right. there, right? right? And so, you know, um, and so it's looking for the spouse that was cheated on. It's looking and saying, what responsibility did I have? Not in them making that decision, but in us getting to a point where the cliff was even in sight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so helping somebody to do that. And then, you know, I'll have Greg speak a little bit more into kind of the person who is then found in an affair. What, where are they at? Um, and how do you kind of capture them, whether they've been caught or whether they kind of came forward? What are those first kind of weeks look like before even reconciliation per right. se is happening? Right. Jump in, Greg. Let's hear. Uh, yeah, and um, I think for just kind of going back to just even looking at the renovation process, like wherever your marriage is at, you know, it it, it gets back when we talk into this all the time is the foundation of the mm -hmm. home and the foundation of because you know I looked at a, a bunch of houses that most people would drive by and never want to buy. You know, the roof is falling in, the siding's falling apart, the carpet is from the nineteen seventies. You know, to me, that's, that's easy fixes, you know? Um, but if the foundation of the house is shifted or cracked or, you know, then you've got some big problems and it's the same way with a marriage and our personal lives. And you have to go back to what is the foundation of the marriage? What's the foundation of us as individuals? And that foundation needs to be Christ. And if Christ is the foundation and we're at a place to say, Lord, I hand everything to you, you know, all my wants, all my needs, all my desires, all that I think I want or need, whether it's in my marriage, my personal life, my job, my finances, <coughs> it's yours. Fill me with you and the things you desire and mold me into that person, to that man or that woman. Um, that's built on a strong foundation. From there, we see everything with new eyes. You know, we see things as Christ sees them. We love people as Christ loves others, not as Greg Landis loves somebody or Lisa loves somebody. You know, we've got our own selfish desires as humans and all that. Um, and when we're able to clear that out and go, dear Lord, please fill me with you and let me let go of all that's in me. We become, you know, people ask, how do you change? You know, what is change? Um, people can't change, can they? Well, change is hard, but when we're broken in Christ and he fills us, that fills us with something new and there's new hope there. And if we build a foundation on that um, and we build a marriage on that and we build who we are as men and women of God, that's a game changer. You know, now we've got a place to rebuild a home that's been shattered, you know, or a marriage that's been shattered. If you start with that foundation and even if you have to rebuild, the whole marriage is gone. What was once before the old marriage is dead. Okay. It's like a twister came and blew the house apart. Well, we've still got a good foundation. Now we can rebuild. Um, but if that foundation isn't there and you're not relying on God to get you through, you're not going, Lord, create in me a new heart. Lord, let my desires be your desires. Let Show me what love looks like in your eyes. I don't know where you go from that. I don't know how you build a house. Then you're building a house on a weak foundation. You might fix some things and rebuild some rooms yeah. and the first one comes by and your marriage is going to blow right to pieces again. Um, so, I mean, 
to me, that's the key. I don't, I, there's nowhere to go without that mm-hmm. foundation piece and making sure that that's you're both, solid. You're, and and you know, even as I listen to you, and, I, and I'm sure anybody that's listening to this, you're passionate about this. It's important. And here's the deal. I, I know that this type of work is a calling, mm-hmm. but so much of, of our passion in that calling is born out of brokenness. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where it comes from, mm-hmm. you know, and you both are touching on that. And, you know, if, if, if you're okay with it, take, take a minute or two and just, you know, help our listeners understand that, that you know what it is to walk a mile in the shoes of, of people who've come to the cliff mm-hmm. or to look a, around and say, I don't know what type of a foundation we've got here. And, you know, yeah. uh, if you, if you would oh, talk sure. about that, you know, where that brokenness came from. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, basically, you know, our story in a, in a quick nutshell is, you know, both grew up in Christian homes, um, strong Christians our whole lives and just got married and about seven years into it, you know, we were walking towards mm-hmm. that cliff, without fully knowing it, um, to some degree knowing it, but, um, we got closer and closer and, um, got to the point where that cliff was in sight and I jumped and, you know, there was an affair in our marriage and it was very difficult. Um, and you know, um, I ended things and revealed it to Lisa and shared it with her. And obviously in that moment, life blew apart, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it left me in a place of wondering, who am I? You know, how did I get to this place? Because this isn't me. Um, this isn't the life I wanted. This isn't who I know God wants me to be. This is not who I want to be. This is not the kind of husband I want to be. And um, But no idea what to do with that because here we are feeling like we're in a dead marriage. An affair just happened. Um, a crisis just happened. Right. And now what? And uh, so it was that process, you know, we, we kind of talk about a lot. We... we hope and wish nobody has to ever go through that. Um, but we've seen the miracle of what Christ can do of taking ashes and things that were once dead and creating something beautiful out of it. And, um, when you feel there is no hope and there is no life, um, on a human level, um, to go, Christ can breathe hope and new life into something that maybe never even existed. You know, mm-hmm. maybe even previously in the marriage, you go, that was, we never had a marriage that, you know, we wanted. Okay. Well, what's your foundation? Let's, the house is gone now. That old house that no longer exists. Right. What's our foundation? Right. What are we going to build on? Now we have the hope and opportunity to build this new home. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a big blow. You know, that was about 12 years ago or so. And, through that process, you know, we had nothing at that point to hold on to other than who we are in Christ. And that shakes your foundation. And it's the where the rubber meets the road and asking ourselves, what does Christ mean in our lives? What are we called to? And out of that, you know, kind of God remolded us in that process. You know, we, we knew God, but this was a real life defining moment of what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. And what do Mm -hmm. I truly mean to you? And allowing him to reshape us as individuals first. I mean, that's where it starts is we both had work to do to go. There were some things not right not only in a marriage, but some things we had to look inside at and allowing God to mold us individually. And then going, okay, now how do we rebuild a marriage um, that looks different and in a new way? And um, so that's where, you know, a lot of the passion grew out of, 
you know, just necessity, but, um, just kind of a wake up call. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm sad that that was part of our story, but yet incredibly grateful that we have a savior who goes, this isn't death. Um, and if you choose me, there's life ahead. And, and so choosing just some of the incredible things that have happened the last 12 years Mm -hmm. individually and in our marriage. And then you see the ripple effect, um, that that has outside that to relationships that you don't even know. And we hear stories about, um, going, wow, you know, like that is beyond us. That is nothing we even tried to do. And you see God moving in that and, um, yeah, it's been powerful to to us. So I think to add to that too, you know, being the, the spouse of the what was cheated on, um, if anyone's listening and, and has, is there, yeah, yeah, me out. This, I mean, this is the hardest thing to live go through in your life. I mean, mm-hmm. your entire belief system in anything is is blown to bits. Mm-hmm. I mean, you literally sit there like an empty shell, staring at a blank wall, going, "How did how did I end up here?" Mm-hmm. Um, and it is excruciatingly hard. I don't actually think there's a word in the English language that yeah. is, yeah. Um, that can describe how hard those moments are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, people often, you know, when you hear, especially with affairs, you hear the word trust. And some people will say, you know, how do you trust each other again? This is a big word. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that there's really two words that I, I look back on and I go, those are the two words that I held onto really as a lifeline. One was trust, but it wasn't trusting Greg. It was trusting God. Mm. Um, because we're, you know, we shouldn't be putting so much trust in each other as human beings because we live in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. We can trust one thing fully, and that's God. Yeah. So can I look at Greg today and fully trust him? Yes, but why? Because he fully walks every single day focused on God. Mm. So I trust God in him, mm. and therefore I trust him. And saying vice versa, that he can look at me and say, can I fully trust that Lisa's not going to be the person that she was before that helped get us to the cliff, right? Right. Um, Yes, because she's focused on Christ. Right. And so we trust Christ in each other. Um, and there's and that's no not something you can fake, right? right. Especially when you're agreeing not. to live under the same roof right. with each other. No. I can fake that at work. Right. I can fake that at church. Anywhere. <laughs> right. But yeah. you can't right. fake it with each other. Yeah. Um, and you can't be in a marriage without trust. Mm-hmm. But I think we... It's, it's a word that, you know, people use so easily. I want to trust my spouse. No. Trust God mm-hmm. and and be motivated every day. And then the second word is obedience, which I was going to say is, yeah. why can we trust God? Because we choose to be obedient. Mm-hmm. And so in those early days, I could only do two things. I could trust God because I sure as heck couldn't trust Greg. And I could be choose to be obedient. And it was a choice. You wake yeah. up in the morning and you either choose to say, I'm going to be obedient to who God calls me or I'm not. Like it's, it's pretty black and white. Yeah. Like you either react or respond the way that God calls you to or you don't. So... Is it hard? Excruciatingly hard. Yeah. But you have a choice to trust God and obey Him. And if you continue to trust Him and you obey Him, He gives you practical steps through every single step in reconciliation and marriage or rebuilding your marriage. You do what He says and He will bless you tenfold. When If I look back at where we were at that point and somebody would say to me, dream about what your marriage could look like, mm-hmm. I, I remember writing out... Because that's part of what you do. You write out, okay, what do we want this dream, this marriage to look like? I look at that piece of paper and I, and I look at it now and I go, I wasn't even dreaming. Like, because I thought I was, but what God has 
brought in our marriage because of our obedience and trust in him on a daily basis. And this is a daily basis for the rest of your life. Like this is not a, oh, let's get through the crisis part by being obedient and trusting God. No, like this is a life's decision. Right. And, and the things that he has brought into our marriage and allowed our marriage to look like today, we could not have imagined. Right. It really right. wouldn't have. Right. Um, and with that, taking our story that was a complete devastation story in every sense of the word and allowed us to be vessels of changing lives or really just sharing our life and through that and ch- teaching other people to trust God and be obedient to Him and God's changed their lives. Right. Um, and it's been literally incredible to watch. Yeah. So Michael, I, I love the analogies that Greg and Lisa are able to draw uh, from here in yeah. this conversation. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, Great. you know, we've had the opportunity of listening to the full length of, of the interview. These two are full of metaphors, mm-hmm. full of analogies. Yeah. We've, we've trimmed it down, you know, purposely for this. Uh, but, you know, I can tell you as a, as a married man, uh, you know, for close to 30 years now, uh, they really had me thinking, and and you've been married for a while now yourself. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah we just uh, just passed the the ten year mark. Awesome, ourselves. awesome. So yeah. you know, yeah. So what you know, what part of this short excerpt here, you know, that we've shared with our listeners, you know, what strikes you as you think about that again? Well, obviously, Lisa talked about the the cliff. That 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 was kind of the the analogy, the metaphor that stands out in my mind. Yeah. Um, just because I I thought it was, I thought it was a really good way to express like you know specifically the the situation that 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 they're talking about you know an affair um i thought it was a really good way to express that tension you know it 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 kind of it it, when when that happens that it puts the appropriate amount of weight on the person who's actually committed the act Mm -hmm. you know has jumped off of the cliff as it were um without downplaying the contributing factors that, that led up to it on both sides. Um, but it says it in a, in a way that's better than like going to a person who's yeah. just been cheated on yeah. and telling them, you know, well, it takes two people to get to this place and then they're just insulted, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like it, it, it puts, you know, the appropriate amount of weight on the person that actually committed the act. Yeah. I, I thought that, you know, I thought that that metaphor they were using was really, really, really positive, you know, yeah. in the sense that, you know, from a from a counseling standpoint, you know, I, I like two things. Like number one, um, if you don't do an honest assessment of how you arrived at a point where your your marriage is is you know was vulnerable, like to an affair, let's say, then there's a good chance that you're going to end up back there again. Yeah. In some space. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, or the other thing that and I can't quote her directly on this, but Lisa, you know, she was talking about, um, you know, and I and she's, uh, you know, she's South African. You mm-hmm. know, so you pick up on the accent. Sure. And yeah. Stuff, and, and they're very they're very candid people most of the time right and uh, and she says, you know, it's something to the extent of, hey, you can have a really crappy day. But if you've taken a few steps away from the cliff, not towards the cliff. That's still a pretty good day. That's a win. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And and just framing it like that is like, okay, that's that's really helpful, you know, to remember because mm-hmm. it's a partnership, yeah. you know, of, of what you're doing. And uh, you know, the part two, we'll we'll talk about this a little later, but they're they're gonna get back into uh, you know, we allow them to explain, okay, well, how does 
reparation? How does renovation and the healing and rest and uh, you know the the renovation you know work in a marriage that you're trying to salvage? But I can tell you that you know when when they hit their crisis point, it was one of the most painful painful ordeals that on both parts, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a huge amount of shame, you know, that Greg was, was working through, um, you know, Greg, Greg was in many ways, you know, people would look at him as sort of the, the poster child for, uh, you know, being a young, successful Christian businessman. Hmm. Right. And, uh, and when this happened, it was, it was, there was just an enormous amount of, shame and fallout. And then for Lisa, she was totally caught off guard. Yeah. Never saw it coming, you mm-hmm. know. And they weren't they weren't a young couple just starting off life together. They were married with kids and uh you know to to know the type of you know impact that that had and yet to see them, you know, not lose themselves in the middle of, you know, that wake of disaster but then to begin to form a plan okay, if this is going to work, how will this work? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just something to, to see. It yeah. was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Um, it's commendable. It is, you know. And, uh, and you know, for, for both of them, I don't know if, if, you know, if our listeners picked up on it or not, but at some point they started to stabilize and they started to get traction when they, they took their gaze off the other person and was looking for excuses how this happened and instead began to say, okay, I got to put my eyes on God and let God put his eyes on me mm-hmm. and what needs to change in me and what is God asking me to believe in regarding what he's doing in me and in the other person. Yeah, and I mean, arguably, that's going to be the toughest time and uh, you know, the toughest situation for someone to be able to do that. Yeah. And the the fact that they that they were able to, uh, I, I think, is uh, probably a, a testament to why they're still married today. Yeah, it's and, amazing, and thriving. It's amazing, you know. And that and that's where you know that's where if you give the opportunity, you know, for God to be in the center, grace can permeate a situation. And you know, where grace, in my opinion, you know, where it comes in so so valuable. It's it's so valuable is like, you know, when you think of Adam and Eve and they and they sinned, uh, you know, and there was that shame that just overtook them, their inclination was to run mm-hmm. from God instead of running toward God, right? And uh and I think sometimes when you're exposed in a marriage, whether it's again it's infidelity or maybe it's, you know, an addiction or whatever, the inclination is to run. Yeah. Right? Uh but if if there's a commitment you know, to the lordship of Jesus is what we would call that. Then you know, there's the promise that you can run toward grace without getting backhanded, mm-hmm. right? And you know, the flip side of that too is for the you know the spouse that has been you know their world has been rocked. Um, you know, grace provides the opportunity to not be judgmental in the sense of condemnation. Yeah, right. Like you can look for reasons. As to why this happened, but if you're if you're not functioning from a place of grace, then you're gonna you're you're gonna try to you know Lisa hit on this. She didn't talk about it a lot, but you're gonna you're gonna commission yourself as the private investigator, yeah, yeah. to get into to get into all the details, mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, and if you get in that place where you're just trying to control and prevent any uh, future situations like this, but you're putting all of the weight of it on yourself, uh, you know, it's just going to set you up for a failure. And there's there's no peace in that. There, right. There's there's no trust. Yeah, you you can't overcome you know you know um, self confidence or you know that's been eroded or insecurity by getting all the details and trying to come up with all the answers mm-hmm. as to why this happened. It just it just won't work. But grace allows us to rest in God's remedy mm-hmm. and what God is going to do in the other person's life individually to bring them into a place of submission to him and brokenness and work while we're practicing that, you know, in our own walk with the Lord. And yeah. uh it's grace and it's intentionality. Yeah. You know, it's just it's a commitment to saying, hey, we're both in this situation now. Uh, what are we going to do right. to to move forward? Yeah, and it's easier said than done. Sure, but here's what makes you know a story like this so inspirational. You know, um, we we're you know what we what we're doing here with this podcast is we're saying, hey, uh, you know, for the next two episodes, this episode and the next episode, we have some relationship experts here in this husband and wife team that are just going to blow you away. Mm. And and if that were if they were just presenting proven you know, principles for how to sure up a foundation of a marriage and how to have a thriving marriage, that would be good enough, right? But when they have the testimony of coming from a point of disaster, you know, where literally one of them jumped over the cliff, mm-hmm. right? And now years beyond that now, you know, to have the testimony of here's what God did for us, here's what we learned, and here's the maintenance we're doing moving forward. That is powerful, yeah. Right, that is something that is uh, that's well worth the listen. So, um, so before we continue our next time with more of our conversation with Greg and Lisa, uh, I want to stop and offer just a few uh, marriage stabilizers, uh, you know, and direct our listeners to a couple of superb resources uh, in case this is where you may find yourself. You yeah. know, currently maybe in crisis, or there there's somebody you know you love, and they're they're. You know, they're trying to, to recover after somebody's, you know, either went to the edge of the cliff or maybe jumped off the cliff. And, uh, you know, I, I think maybe just a couple of things here to set us up for next time and to give, uh, you know, our listeners, uh, you know, uh, in between this podcast and the next, a few things to think about. How about yeah, that? That sounds great. All right. So, um, there's a, there's a, there's a crisis, um, you know, Thought pattern uh, that uh, that I teach everybody, regardless of what type of crisis they find themselves in. You know, whether it's a, a marriage failure or a crisis of belief or just some unknown that sprung on them. And uh, believe it or not, uh, the origin of this comes from uh, a childhood experience that I had uh, in my well, it was my my adolescence, right? But I had a uh, I had a really good friend in high school, uh, and and his dad was retired special ops. Like retired special forces did, yeah. right? And, uh, and my friend wanted to follow in his dad's footsteps. So about the time he got into, you know, middle school and high school, it was, it was training ground for this. Sure. And, uh, and his dad, you know, was, uh, he was a peculiar guy in the sense that he was a little older than the rest of our dads. And you could tell, uh, you know, that he had lived through some pretty treacherous times. You know, he, mm. uh, he was, uh, he had a heart condition. He had to wear like a glycerin patch mm-hmm. on his, uh, on his arm to stabilize his heart. He had, uh, he had tremors. He had hand tremors. Uh, and you'd think, 
is this was this guy really like special forces green beret or whatever but the moment this guy would pick up a weapon mm-hmm. of, any, of any type a pistol a rifle a shotgun even a bow an arrow you know yeah. he was like rock solid steadfast if if he you know if he grabbed a hold of you you know just messing around it was like Oh my goodness, a man has a, hold, has a hold of me here. So we always sort of were like listening to him. You know, he ran a uh, he ran a shooting club. So as boys growing up in the country, we always loved the opportunity to shoot guns and so forth. And he t- anyway, he was always I remember him in so many words, always coaching his son on focus. And he's like, "Focus will deliver you through any crisis." Focus will get you out of any tough situation, right? And he would, he would sort of break this down into different principles. And as I've, as I've gotten older and, and thought about that and, uh, you know, have to face different, you know, we all face crisis situations. And especially now as a counselor, a lot of my work has to deal with crisis counseling and, you know, uh, stress intervention management and stuff like that. Uh, some of these factors definitely come into play. So here's, here's what I would say that I've learned through the years, starting with my experience here with, uh, with his friend's dad, uh, when I was a teenager. Uh, the first thing to remember is if you find yourself in crisis, stop and breathe. Mm-hmm. Just catch your breath. Now, that sounds really simple, but when we're hit with something unexpected, like the first thing our brain does is amp our body up because the brain is saying, you got to be ready for the second wave of impact. And so your breathing becomes shallow, your pulse quickens, your heart beats, you begin to sweat. And in that moment, you are prone to make very rapid decisions, maybe not thinking. Mm-hmm. So when you and I, when we stop and breathe, just take a breath, right? And we may have to do it repeated times. We're interrupting, you know, the chaos that's going on in our in our bodies biologically, and it gives us emotionally the time to recover ourselves. So just stop and breathe. Yeah. That, that's the first step of focus. Second thing is uh, don't just feel in the moment. Remember to think, mm-hmm. right? So many times we default when we're in crisis to that which is, you know, the strongest impulse that we're experiencing, you know, uh, what do we know for sure? Well, what we know for sure is what we're feeling right now. And we may be in a panic. We may be just off the charts with rage or anger or whatever. But as you're disrupting, you know, that that amped up tendency by breathing, don't forget to think. Don't just feel, just think. When you're thinking, that brings you back into a place of focus. Okay. Now, the third principle here that I would encourage our listeners to to consider is beyond breathing, thinking is don't be don't be afraid to reframe the crisis that you're looking at from the onset. Now, this is going to sound really sort of stupid, but and cliched, but it it's it's not necessarily a total catastrophe. It could really be an opportunity. Right now, yeah. easier. That's super easy for me to say that, and you to nod your head and agree in this studio, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're insulated yeah. in here, right? But in real life, man, the tendency is, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm out of here. This is a catastrophe. There's no way we're going to recover from this. But you know, the 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 hope that we offer, you know, especially in Christian spirituality. And especially with the promise of Christian marriage, whether your marriage is a Christian marriage currently 
or it could be one day, is that God has this unbelievable, supernatural, uncanny ability to take all things and work it for the good for those who are practicing loving him and who want to step into his calling in their life. Yeah, and if you believe that verse, everything is ultimately an opportunity. That's right, you know, and that's that's hard to say, but I'm, it's a good reminder because yeah. that will give us focus beyond what just happened here. Yeah, right. So breathe. Remember to think. Don't just feel. It's an opportunity, right? Um, the second thing, or the I'm sorry, the fourth thing would be all right. Now, after you've done the first three points of stabilization, right, with your focus. Look and see what can you control, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not the other person, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, I mean, like Greg and Lisa really brought that out, I uh-huh. think, right? Yeah, you know, um, but what can you control? Well, you can control where you put your focus, right? You sure. can you can control, you know. I think Lisa, you know, really unpacked this great from the from the you know the spouse that was cheated on. You know, she couldn't guarantee that she was going to stay in her right frame of mind for the weeks, you know, that would follow Mm-mm. or even for the day. But moment by moment, she could control putting her faith in God. Greg would say the same thing. You yeah. Know? And so they could control that. They could control the people they surrounded themselves with. Mm-hmm. They could control, you know, what they as far as what their plan was, you know, to work towards restoration, what would counseling look like in that, uh, and so forth, right? Those are the things that they can control. So control what you can. Now, the fifth point of focus is something that's super obvious. Get out of the way and let God. You know, we say let God. Trust God. Let God. But we'll never get to the point where we can fully activate faith if we're not taking care of these first four issues first with mm-hmm. focus. And I think so many times when, you know, a couple shows up for counseling or they knock on a pastor's door or the neighbor's door or the, you know, the, uh, you know, your, the, the one spouse runs home to mom or dad or whatever, the initial counsel is, well, let's just give it to God. Well, you can't do that if you're in full blown, you know, crisis mode, right? Sure. So pause and breathe. Remember to think, don't just feel you know, give the opportunity, you know, give it, give it a chance to be an opportunity and not a catastrophe. Do an inventory, control what you can, and then, then you're probably more ready to moment by moment surrender to God. His input, His direction, surrender the outcome. There's no guarantees in this, you know. Um, the statement of understanding that I always have people sign off on when they begin counseling, especially if it's marriage counseling, is you know, Christian therapy, professional therapy is not a guarantee to save your marriage. Mm. Marriages end in divorce and failure all the time, mm-hmm. right? And so part of that is we have to let go and loosely, you know, surrender even the outcomes to God. So does that make sense? Yeah. The, the Christ. Yeah, and again, does. that's a, you know, that's a, that's a, that's sort of a generic type of a formula that we're talking about that can be overlaid in a bunch of different situations. But the idea is, you're not going to be the best version of yourself until you figure out how to emotionally stabilize. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, so in addition to this, uh, you know, we're always recommending quality sources 
here, you know, quality yeah. resources, I should say, here at the podcast. So I'm going to give our listeners three like really good resources today that I would recommend, and we'll make these uh, available on our website, links to get you there. Uh, but the first is a really good book, and uh, it's called Setting Your Marriage Free uh, by Neil Anderson and Charles Mylander. And this has been in several publications. I, I there's a there's an electronic version of it you can download on your tablet. There may even be an audio book of this at the, at this point that's still available. But this is a tremendous uh, resource that before you would enter into even any long term counseling, it is a great resource to pull back and say, okay, individually. What do I need to sure up personally in my life in order to re-engage in this relationship and to walk it back from the cliff and not toward the cliff? Mm-hmm. And so um, that book uh, can be found. You can find that pretty much anywhere on any of your book outlets. But we're going to encourage our listeners to go to uh, freedominchristalloneword.com. And uh, if you find that book on there today, uh, within the next three weeks, we're going to have a special coupon code on the Resolutions uh, Counseling website with that link. That'll get you some free shipping on that book if you order from freedominchrist.com. Uh, two other resources that are complementary to uh, setting your marriage free. Uh, number one is uh, called The Steps to Setting Your Marriage Free, Finding Your Personal Freedom in Your Marriage When Only uh, you know when you and your spouse have hit this crisis point, mm-hmm. and uh, again, this uh, this workbook is available. It's self guided. You can get that through the Freedom in Christ dot com website. That's a bookstore. And some of our listeners may be saying, "Okay, well, this is great. This is wonderful." But I'm the only one that's really cooperating at this point mm-hmm. in the marriage, right? Maybe maybe it's not a full blown affair or something like that. But your marriage is on the rocks. And you're, you know, you're the spouse that cares while the other spouse is maybe oblivious or is being difficult or whatever. Well, we've got another uh, really helpful workbook that, again, is, is very complementary to the book resource that we're offering, Setting Your Marriage Free. And this is uh, Setting Your Marriage Free Workbook, Finding Personal Freedom in Your Marriage When Only One Spouse is Willing to Try. Okay, so again, we'll make those available on the website. Now, uh, when we pick up next time, Greg and Lisa will give us the blueprint for a marriage renovation. And uh, Michael, it's a fascinating conversation. Uh, they'll give us some of the best advice I've ever heard when it comes to dealing with the inevitable setbacks during the recovery uh, process. So uh, you'll be sure to want to join us. So for now, uh, we'll sign off. This has been the Resolutions Counseling Podcast with Chris Campbell and Michael Gum. Hello. Be sure to spread the word about this podcast, and we'll meet you back here real soon. See you soon. <laughs>